Okay, hey, um, how we doing? We doing all right? Huh? Are we on the journey? We're on the journey, I think. I think a good number of us are on the journey, amen? Um, okay, my name is Chris. Um, thank you for saying hi. Who said that? Thank you, bro. I appreciate that, Caesar. Hi to you, my friend. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm on staff here with Christian Students, and I'm so glad that you guys are at Freshman Connect. Let me tell you, you know, you know, when I was in college as a freshman, I got saved, and that was awesome. I, 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 it's, I mean, it's kind of like I got out of Egypt, you know what I'm saying? And uh, shortly thereafter, I got connected with some brothers and sisters that were loving Jesus and were pursuing Christ. And you know what? I'm here today. I'm standing here in Spicewood, Texas today because of that very fact. Because I met Christ my freshman year in college, and I got connected with some people who were loving Jesus and pursuing the Lord. So I'm happy that you're here at Freshman Connect. Okay, um, I've got a lot to say this morning, and I need about five extra minutes that I'm supposed to have. Who will give me five extra minutes? Anybody? Anybody? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. Okay, i got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Um, okay. So out of Egypt, isn't it incredible what happened to the children of Israel? Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. I, I want you to think about it. I want you to put yourself there. All you've ever known is that you're worth absolutely nothing. You're a slave. That's it. You're about the same in value as cattle as some other piece of property, you're worth nothing. And your people are worth nothing. Your family is worth nothing. You're, below, you're subhuman. This is all you've ever known. Okay? All you've ever known is that you're worth nothing and you're a slave. And that's your only future is servitude. Okay? That's all you've ever known. And then... Some blast from the past shows up named Moses, whom you've heard your parents talk about before. He's kind of like this, he's kind of like this superstar. He's like this Jewish superstar who actually got to grow up in Pharaoh's house. Okay? He got, he got to be raised like an Egyptian, as if he were Egyptian, and not just Egyptian, like he was royalty. But he'd been gone. For about four decades, he left. You never even met him before. And Moses shows up on the scene, and he tells you about this uh, strange God that you've uh, kind of heard of. He tells you, God, the God of our fathers, Abraham, yeah, I, I've heard of him, heard of him. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yeah, that's uh, like four fathers there. I don't know about them. That God... Moses says, appeared to him and said that he will deliver all of Israel out of Egypt for himself. Very unbelievable. Guy's been gone for four decades. A little, I mean, he is one of you, but a little bit he's not. Because he got, he, got he got raised in the palace. And he's coming back telling you about this strange God whom you don't even know what his name is. You've never even heard it before. 
And he says, this God, who is the God of our forefathers, has appeared to me, and he will deliver us all out of slavery to be unto him, to serve him, worship him, and be his particular, peculiar, set-apart people whom glorify him and express him on the earth. He will deliver us from Pharaoh. Little bit unbelievable. And then some crazy stuff starts happening, right? Ten plagues. Every firstborn in all of, in, in all of Egypt dying. I mean, pretty crazy, right? Pretty incredible. How about, how about, uh, how about the Passover lamb? That was pretty insane. It's, it literally saved everyone who, who, took the, who took the blood. It saved everyone. It redeemed every firstborn. It took the blood. How about this? How about as you're getting up to go out of Egypt, all the Egyptians are giving you money and gold and all the riches. Yeah, get out of here. Please leave. Take my money with you. Pretty crazy, right? In one year's time, you and your family and your entire people went from slavery with zero future and being subhuman to standing on the other side of the Red Sea with the world's most powerful army drowned underneath its waves. What a difference a year makes. Out of Egypt. You and the entire nation of Israel, about two million people, have exited the most powerful country on the earth and its army is buried underneath the Red Sea by God and you're here and you're set apart. Now what? Is there more to the story? There is. We're still on the journey. Let's all say journey. journey. We're still on the journey. Okay, here's the problem. It took one year to get Israel out of Egypt. It will take the next 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. It took one year to get Israel out of Egypt. God could have done it like that. That's how he created light. He didn't snap his fingers. He just said light, and then it was there. He could have just said, out of Egypt. And Israel would have been out of Egypt. But he decided for his own glory to manifest his mighty hand that he would take a year's time to bring Israel out of Egypt. Now, problem. It took a short time to take Israel out of Egypt. It's going to take a long time to take Egypt out of Israel. That is the case because they've lived there for 400 years. It's all they've ever known. They may be Hebrew by blood, but by culture, probably to a great extent religion. And by everything they've ever known, all they are is Egyptian. I'll give you an example. You know, my ancestors, they came to uh, America probably about 400 years ago. My guess is from England, although I don't know. I asked my grandma one time. I called her up on the phone. I said, Mammy? She said, Hey, Chris. 
I said, Mammy, I'm doing this uh, project for school, and I've, I need to find out my lineage, you know, like where we're from. Where, where's our genealogy? You know, like where, where are we from originally? She said, well, as far as I know, Chris, we're from East Texas. I said, all right, Mammy. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. My last name is Hall, which is maybe English, maybe. I don't know. Um, in a way, you could say I'm English. But let's be real, I've never had tea and crumpets my entire life. <laughs> UK Sam, how, how English am I, my man? How English am I? Yeah, well, there's an English name, but how English am I? Not very. I don't, I don't watch soccer. I don't drink tea. I don't sing God Save the Queen. I'm not very English. In fact, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty Texas through and through. I, that's only natural. It's where I've lived my entire life. My people, my country, my family. They've been here for 400 years. How could I be anything else? You transport me to England... Nothing has changed. I'm still going to want to eat barbecue. I'm still, I'm still going to want to see how the Dallas Cowboys are doing. I, I'm not going to care that much about Manchester United. I, I, I was born and raised in Texas. I, I may be English by blood, but by culture and everything else, I'm American. It takes a short time to get Israel out of Egypt. It takes a long time to get Egypt out of Israel. It may not take a long time to get a Christian out of the world. It takes a long time to get the world out of the Christian. It takes a long time to get the world out of the Christian. What this looks like, both in Scripture and in our experience, is appetite. It's what you crave, and it's what you consume in your daily life. What you crave, what feeds you, what you long for, what you desire, what you nourish yourself on. Appetite. So, for example, we may be a Christian, no doubt. For sure, period, end of story, praise God. We are a child of God. But what we consume in our daily life to feed ourselves, to nourish ourselves, what we consume is no different than anyone else. It looks the exact same. The, the only difference, the only way that I, that I would know just by meeting you, looking at you, looking at your life, that you're a Christian is by maybe reading your Facebook profile or something. It says Christian. Oh, oh, they're a Christian. I couldn't tell. Why? Because what we consume, what we nourish ourselves with, may not be any different than anything else. That's called appetite. So, for example, um, you're in class, and you're there with a bunch of other regular students, and they say, hey, did you see fill in the blank last night 
Did you, did you watch fill in the blank last night? And the answer is, of course I did. <laughs> For sure. That's what everybody's watching. That shows you appetite. It shows you what you consume. All right, hey, did, did, you hear, did you hear fill in the blank's latest album? It just dropped. It was secret. It just dropped yesterday. It didn't let anybody know. It tried to do a Beyonce. And, and the answer is, of course, for sure, for sure. Why? Well, they, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's trending. That's what's hot. It just dropped. <laughs> of course. That, that shows you what you're consuming, what your appetite, what you're hungry for, what you crave, what you take in. You may genuinely, we can all be genuinely Christians, children of God, set apart unto him, but our appetite may not be different at all. We, we may be Egyptian in constitution. Actually, we all are by default. You don't even have to try. You don't have to try. I want, I want you to see what this looks like in Scripture we're going to go to Egyptian appetite here. We're going to read Exodus 16, 2 through 3. Let's all read it together. Ready? Go. Does everybody have an outline? Do you have one? If you don't, raise your hand. The brothers will get it to you. Okay, this is the children of Israel. They're there, and there's some murmuring going on. Say murmuring. Murmuring. Against Moses, and what they say is, If only, oh, if only we had died in Egypt. If only. If only we had died in Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and had unlimited Wi-Fi to the full. Oof! If only. Oh, if only. I mean, my Wi-Fi is gone now. Oh, wait, that's not what it said. Uh, yeah, bread. Sorry. If only we had died in Egypt where I had 560 channels to watch on cable all the time for nothing. I didn't pay anything for it. You see what I mean? Their cries, oh, it's better back there, man. It shows you their appetite, what they crave. Even though they're the people of God, set apart unto God, they've passed through Egypt, what do they crave? What do they crave? They crave what was back in Egypt. Let's read Numbers 11, 4 through 5. Ready, go. They lusted exceedingly. How'd you like that to be recorded in Scripture for the people of God to read for the next 4,000 years? Yeah, those guys, they lusted exceedingly. If I could uh, describe 
the craving there, lusted exceedingly. How'd you like that to be recorded? Not so much, right? How about this? They wept again. Have you ever desired, craved something so much that when you don't get it, you just weep? Maybe you're so angry that you don't get it. How about that? Think about this. They're in, they're in the wilderness. They've been saved from slavery. They're set apart unto God, and they're weeping. Very interesting, right? Why is that? Because their appetite. They wept again. And the children of Israel, they said, who shall give us meat to eat? We remember the fish. Oh, the fish. Ooh, say fish. Fish. Oh, we remember the, we remember the cucumbers. I ain't seen a cucumber in years now. How about those melons? You remember the melons? You know, they'd probably like get together and have a little remembering session. Hey, hey, you remember them melons? You remember them melons back in Egypt? That was crazy. Remember when I, where, where I lived, we had unlimited melons. I ain't seen a melon for years. I wish I'd have died back in Egypt. They were the people of God, set apart unto God. But the appetite, the appetite hadn't changed. Inwardly, even though outwardly they were out of Egypt, inwardly they were Egyptian. Inwardly they were still Egyptian. What God is doing is he's setting apart a people unto himself for him that he would have a people and a nation on the earth that glorifies him, that represents him, and expresses him in the midst of a universe in rebellion against him. This people is for him. And so what he has to do is he has to take the next 40 years and change their constitution. Not only does he need to take them out of Egypt, he needs to take Egypt out of them. And that is a long process. Say lifelong. That's a lifelong process, brothers and sisters. And what he, how he's going to do that is he's going to change their diet. He's going to change what they eat every day. You know how you change your appetite? You start eating something else. Period. End of story. If you want to eat healthy, you know how you get to like health food? You start eating healthy food. You're like, oh, yeah, I'd like to eat healthy, but I don't like it. I don't like that taste. Nobody does. You have to start eating it. And then after you eat it, you actually like it. That's what happens. Whatever you eat, eventually that becomes what you crave. Whatever you eat, eventually you develop an appetite for it. And so what God, what the almighty wise God is going to do is take his people out of Egypt and give them a different diet for the next four decades. Say lifelong. For the next four decades. So that then they could continue on the journey unto the goal, unto the destination. We're still journeying. We're still journeying. Okay. Let's go down to change of diet and let's all say manna. manna. Okay, let's read, uh, let's read Exodus 16, these verses here. Let's have the girls on verse 4 and then we'll have the bros alternate. Girls, go ahead. Ready, go.
Okay. Now, the children of Israel, they're getting pretty impressed with Jehovah God at this point. Um, He did some crazy, miraculous things to deliver them from the most powerful nation on the earth. And now, he's literally going to make it rain food from the sky. This is like cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Okay? This this, this isn't a a children's book. It's not a movie. He's literally going to make bread rain from the sky for 40 years. That's how they're going to eat. That's how they're going to survive. You know, think about what was in that bread. It must have been some great minerals, protein, all kind of things. You know what I mean? You think about it. That's what you're going to eat for the next four decades. It must have been some kind of miraculous bread, and it was. So much so that the name, the children of Israel, they came upon it once it happened, and they said, What is that? That's what manna means. What is it? What is it? It literally rained food from the sky for four decades. Okay? All right. Now, the great thing about the Bible is that the Old Testament is this awesome big mural picture. There's so many stories and so many things. It's incredible to read the tapestry of the Bible and get this giant mural of what God is doing across time. The problem is, a lot of times, we don't know what it means. Why was that story in there? Oh, what's that mean? What's it for? Good thing about that is the New Testament is like the caption underneath that giant mural that explains what it's about. Okay, so you read this story about, wow, man, God made it rain food from the sky? Like, that's cool. Anything deeper there, I wonder? Okay, the New Testament tells us that. Let's read John 6.51. This is Jesus talking all together. Ready, go. Say, that's Jesus. When you read Exodus 16, you know what should be in your mind? That's Jesus. I thought this was just a crazy story about God making it rain food from the sky. It is. That literally happened. But it's also got a deeper meaning. That's Jesus. What God has decided to do is separate his people from the world and then give them a different diet, parentheses, Jesus, that they would eat, feast on, nourish themselves on for the rest of their life to make them a people made ready for their God. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you three points here. You got a pen? Underline these. Write them down. Exodus 16, 4. I will now rain bread from heaven for you. Underline that. You know what that means? It's easy. It's easy to feed upon Christ. It's easy. God doesn't make it hard. You don't have to climb a mountain in the middle of Eastern Europe. Be on your knees for five days. Starve yourself. Whip yourself to make God like you. It's easy. You know what you do? You roll out of your bed. That's it. What what the children of Israel literally did is they opened the tent and the food was there on the ground. Okay? It don't get much easier than that. It's nearly breakfast in bed. Okay? (laughs) Nearly. It's like breakfast just outside of bed. Okay? It's easy. Brothers and sisters, if you want to feed upon Christ... It is easy. God, he does not make it hard. He does not make it hard. 
It makes it easy. Thank you, Lord. Let's all say thank you, Lord. Okay, number two, in verse 18, underline this. He who gathered much had no excess, and he who gathered little had no lack. You know what? Eating Christ is not a contest. It's not a contest. You know what? If my man Austin Zhang here, Austin, stand, yeah, stand up, Austin. If my man Austin Zhang here, my man Jared, Jared, stand up, bro. Now, nobody in CSOC, we're not going to clap for whoever eats more Christ. Let's say Austin is just dominating Jared in his time with the Word. Austin just doing it, doing it big. He's getting up early. He's getting up at 4 a.m. He's spending an hour with the Lord every morning. Oh, an hour in his closet in prayer. Oh, and just, I mean, he just, he, he don't read the Bible once a year. He reads it four times a year. He's just incredible. Now, we're, we're, it's not a contest. It's not a contest. No, nobody's, nobody's going to clap. No. You're not going to get a reward. You, you know, you are. Ah, That's not going to happen. It's not a contest. Sit down, my brothers. Thank you. The point is just gather. Write that down. Just gather. The point is, I mean, you're, there's, there's not like this, you know, we're not keeping secret stats like, oh, man, you know, so-and-so, he gathered a whole lot this morning. Woo-hoo-hoo. That's not the point. He who gathered much had no excess. He who gathered little had no lack. The point is to gather. Just gather for how long? The rest of your life. Just gather. We're not keeping stats. There's no ranking. Jared's not number three in the club right now. Austin, Austin's not number one, and we're not going to give him a trophy at the end of the year. There. there there's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no contest. The point is gather. Whether you gather little or you gather a lot, just gather for the rest of your life. That's what it takes to change your appetite. You need to continually eat, gather every day for the rest of your life. Number three, verse 21, and they gathered it morning by morning. Write down every morning, every morning. You know when the best time to feed upon Christ is the best time? Morning. It doesn't say 6 a.m., doesn't say 5.59, it doesn't give us a specific time. It says morning, though. Morning. The best time to get up and feed upon Christ, write this down, feed upon Christ in the Word of God. The best time to feed upon Christ in the Word of God is the morning. Um, my freshman year, at the end of my freshman year, I wanted to do something really radical, okay? I wanted to try to actually have a consistent morning time with the Lord. I know that's radical. I, mean, whoo, I should have gotten an award, you know what I mean? I was probably number five in the club at that point, you know? <laughs> I wanted to try to have a, have a morning time with Jesus, okay? And you know what? I was going to go for it. You know, I mean, I'm an athlete, I mean, I was an athlete. I'm a has-been now. I was an athlete, and so I'm going to go for it. I'm gonna, I had a set amount of time that I was going to do. I was going to wake up at this time. I'm going to do this much time, and I'm <clears throat> let's go. And you know what happened? I did a lot of sleeping is what happened. <laughs> I did a lot of sleeping. I get up, I, you know, get my Bible open. That's, that's good. Praise the Lord. Got up, got the Bible open, and I'd be doing it for a while, and then uh, I kind of, Oh, time's over. 
fell asleep. I was trying to gather a whole lot. I was trying, you know. Um, so I made some mistakes. Man, a lot of times I slept through the time. Sometimes I slept through my alarm. But, brothers and sisters, eventually, hey, morning by morning, I learned. Morning by morning. I was trying. I made a whole lot of mistakes. Probably look, would have looked like an idiot if you'd walked in my room, Bible open, face down, asleep. You know what I mean? But you know what? Eventually, eventually, morning by morning, every morning. You know, in the best time, the best time to start having morning time with God is, best time was yesterday. Next best time is right now. Next best time is right now. Your freshman year, start. Start your lifelong journey of changing your appetite. Start. Start now. Because you know what? It's a long journey. It's going, to take, it's going to take the rest of your life. You need to start now. And it starts morning by morning, gathering from the Word of God. Just roll out of your bed and open that thing up. It's a good place to start. Feeding on Christ in the Word of God. Okay, number two. Water from the rock. Let's all read Numbers 20, verse 8. Ready, go. Okay, so, I mean, same story. Children of Israel upset. Hey, man, we ain't got no water. Wish we'd have died back in Egypt. This is awful. Why are you trying to kill us? Okay, the same type of thing. And uh, God says, okay, Moses, go over there, um, and I'm going to make water come out of that giant rock over there that's going to basically give enough water for 2 million people for the next four decades. Pretty cool, right? And it actually happened. It, it did. It actually happened. Now, the New Testament's going to give us a little deeper revelation concerning that. Let's all read 1 Corinthians 10.4. Ready, go. Everybody say, that's Jesus. When you read Numbers 20 about the water from the rock, you know what you should be thinking? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. It, li it, literally, it literally gave the children of Israel water for the next four decades, and you know what? That rock followed him. How about that? But you know what? Also, what that means for us is that Jesus Christ is our rock who follows us and is ready to quench our thirst anytime, any day, 24-7, until he returns. How about that? Now, I want you to circle this. In Numbers 20, verse 8, I want you to circle the word speak. Speak to the rock. Don't you, I mean, you know, what we're used to is turning the faucet. You want to get water from the faucet? Turn the faucet. Very interesting, God says, speak to the rock. Moses, you go over there, you speak to the rock. Water will come out. Isn't that interesting? Okay. I'm going to give you a secret here. I got it. I mean, I, I didn't come up with it. I got it from the brothers, and they got it from the word. I'm gonna give, but I'm going to give you a secret to the rest of your Christian life right now. I hope you remember it. I hope you put it in your back pocket and never forget it. Speaking is one of the most crucial keys to your entire Christian life. Your mouth is one of the most crucial keys to your entire Christian life. Your mouth. Speak to the rock. Okay? I'll prove it to you with two verses. I want you to write these down. Romans 10.12. Write that down. Romans 10.12. Ephesians 5. 
18 through 19. Write that down. Or memorize it and never forget it. Romans 10, 12. Ephesians 5, 18 through 19. You know what Romans 10, 12 says? It says the Lord is rich. You want God to be rich in your experience? You know God's rich. We can all say amen to that. How about is God rich in your experience? You. When I talk to you and I examine your life and I say share with me your testimony. Tell me when in your life, in your experiences, I want you to enumerate times and tell me, communicate to me when God has been rich to you in your experience. Sometimes that's a little harder to say. If you want God to be rich to you, that verse says, call upon his name. It's as simple as that. Epikalio, call out loud. Now, that don't, that don't sound as cool because, you know what, we're all well educated. We're here in the Western Hemisphere. We've got so much knowledge and theology. And If you want God to be rich to you, use your mouth and call upon his name. It's that simple. How about that? You think God really wants to be available to all men? You know what? You don't have to have a smartphone in order for God to be rich to you. We've only had these for about 15 years. If you have a mouth and you're willing to call out loud upon God's name, Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I need you, Lord. Lord, I need you. Lord, be rich to me. If you're willing to do that, if you want to drop your face, if you want to drop your pride and call out loud upon the Lord's name, he'll be rich to you. i got to keep going. But Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 is true too. We can talk about that later. Okay, application is John 6, 35. Let's read it. Ready, go. Everybody say, comes to me. Comes to me. He who comes to me shall by no means hunger. He who comes to me shall by no means hunger. Brothers and sisters, when we read the biography of your life, when we look at your schedule, when you die and your kids and your grandkids and all the people you've known, they examine your life. You know what it should, you know what it should be characterized by? Making motion toward God. It should be characterized by coming to the Lord. When people think of you, they think, man. When I think of Elvin, I think about coming to the Lord. That man, every time I touched him, every time I talked to him, every time I I hung out with him, you you know what it made me think about? This man comes to the Lord. He who comes to me shall by no means hunger. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe the word of God? You know what? If you believe it, and if what I'm saying right now will get sown into your heart, you know what? When you're hungry, you won't want to go back to Egypt. When you're hungry, you won't think, you know what you do? You'll come to him. What, what I hope, and I know what all the brothers and sisters here in Christian Students hope for all of you freshmen 
is that your college experience would be characterized by making motion toward God, coming to him. And two of the most simple ways you can do that. It is not complicated. The Christian life is not rocket science. Although we do have some rocket scientists among us. Two simple ways is you can wake up in the morning, roll out of your bed, and open your Bible. And feed upon Christ in the Word of God. Number two, you can drop your pride. Open your mouth and call upon the name of Jesus. Okay, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to turn it over uh, to the brothers, and they'll tell us what we need to do next, okay? Lord, we love you. And we, uh, Lord, we want to make motion toward you. Lord, change our appetite. We want to feed upon you and your word and, and, and drink of you by calling on your name. Lord, uh, over the next uh, four years in college and, and over the rest of our lives, Lord Jesus, we want to feed upon you. We want to be a people that express you and honor you in this universe. We love you, Jesus. Amen.